Educators for Social Justice is a grassroots, teacher-led professional development group located in St. Louis, Missouri. We believe that educators are public intellectuals who gain strength and wisdom through working with other educators, parents, and members of the community. Our mission is to develop and support socially just, equitable, and sustainable practices in schools and communities. The ESJ podcast seeks to provide authentic voice for educators who are doing social justice work in classrooms, schools, and communities. We celebrate a diverse group of teachers and students by discussing their successes, struggles, and visions in effectively implementing social justice education. We invite you to listen and challenge yourself to think about how your work can connect to social justice. Today we welcome three current and or former leaders of New City Schools here in St. Louis. Um, New City Schools uh, believes that all schools should ensure that children have the skills and knowledge that they will need to compete in the world. That's a given. Beyond that, New City School has crafted a mission statement that encompasses some of the things that set us apart, set them apart from other independent elementary schools in St. Louis. Joyful learning, confident students, nurturing, commitment to diversity, creative problem solving, and so much more. So um, there's three of you today. Welcome. Thank, Thank you. Good morning. <laughs> so um, I'm going to read a bit about each of you um, so that our listeners can get a full uh, picture of who we have today and all your brilliance. And then I'll allow you to talk. I'll allow you to talk a little <laughs> bit about yourself. <laughs> um, so uh, first we have Thomas R. Her who is the Emeritus Head of School at New City School and also a scholar in residence at the University of Missouri-St. Louis College of Education. Um, a little bit about Thomas, or can I say Tom? Tom is right. Tom is right. So Tom became the head of New City School in St. Louis, a school founded on a commitment to progressive learning and respect for human diversity. Under his leadership, New City began implementing the theory of multiple intelligence in 1988 and created the world's first MI library in 2006. New City hosted four MI conferences attended by hundreds of educators and produced two MI books of lessons and articles. During Tom's 34 years at New City, the school raised funds to renovate the building, expand the campus, refurbish the theater, build the MI library, and establish an endowment for need-based financial aid. He was given emeritus status when he retired in 2015. Again, Tom is now a scholar in residence at the University of Missouri-St. Louis, where he teaches prospective principles. We also have Alexis Wright, the current head of New City Schools. Um, Alexis began his career as a fifth and sixth grade science teacher at the Rye Country Day School in Rye, New York, where he also coached middle school and bass middle school baseball and football. He eventually moved into a leadership role as a middle school principal before leaving to become principal of the middle school at the University of Chicago Lab Schools. Um, after three years in that position, Alexis was recruited back to Rye County Country Day School, where he served as the assistant head of school and director of financial aid before moving back, moving into Bank Street College. Originally from New York City, um, where he um, honed his skills at 
ri- uh, rhyming and rapping tribe called Quest. Um, Alexis learned <laughs> earned his MA in Maine <laughs> in marine affairs and policy from the University of M- Miami and a BS in human ecology from Rutgers University. His wife, Allie, is a former upper school English teacher, and together they have two daughters, Morgan and Avery. No additions since then? Nope, that's nope. it. Okay. Uh, all right. Two's a good number. All right, all right. And last but not least, Stephanie Teachout. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Stephanie is the, the Director of Diversity and Inclusion at New City School. She has a BA from Indiana Uni- University and a Master's from Teachers College Columbia University. Stephanie has presented at the White Privilege Conference and she is a facilitator for the Anti-Defamation League. She serves as the ISACS Equity and Justice Committee and NCCJ, St. Louis Board of Directors. Stephanie's curriculum has been highlighted in the ASCD's Educational Leadership Magazine and on St. Louis Public Radio. In Thomas's words, or Tom's words about Stephanie, um, Tom says she's taken the lead on many thrusts to pursue equity, and social justice at New City, from hosting an evening parent forum after Michael Brown was killed, to working with our students to consider how to deal with St. Louis's Confederate monuments, to offering a series of experiences for parents to advocate, oh, sorry, to advance diversity, including the Mo History, the Art Museum, and bus tour neighborhoods in St. Louis. Stephanie is committed, bright, and eloquent. Uh-oh. I know. <laughs> Set you up for greatness today, right? <laughs> and, you, and your listeners should know that Stephanie just gave me a high five. Ah, first for, for sharing that about her. Awesome. Awesome. So I thank you all for joining us today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So I'm going to give each of you um, two to three minutes. You know, I read your bios, which that's the fancy way of introducing you and letting our, our listeners know that you're extremely uh, capable <laughs> to um, hold the positions and the role that you do today. Uh, but I want you to take a few minutes just to share a little bit about what you would say about yourselves and your roles with New City. We'll sure. Start well, with Alexis. I will start. Thank you. Okay. Um, so I, I think New City School is, when you look at sort of the, the spectrum of independent schools, a pretty unique place in terms of its mission and the work that it does. And it, it took a lot to sort of get me out of my comfort zone in New York City and to think about, you know, possibly moving to a new place. And um, so I had known Tom. I met Tom when I was in Chicago uh, as a middle school head there. We served on an accreditation team together. Uh, Tom is fantastic about collecting emails and emailing folks and so every couple of weeks I'd get a note from him about what he was reading Mm. what the school was working on I always thought well this this new city school sounds like a pretty interesting uh, uh, place and then when I I got word that Tom was retiring I sort of thought loving New York City I love the school that I'm in now um, but what about this opportunity and so I uh, sort of put my name forth with the search committee and Grew to love, I loved the school as I began to learn more about it. Um, saw some pretty interesting, I think, challenges mm. looking at St. Louis and the St. Louis area. And this was really sort of post Michael Brown. I mean, sort of much more Because you uh, came in 2015? Well, I was hired in 2015 mm-hmm. and then started in 2016. 16. Okay, yeah. Um, so all of that had, had really just happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and quite honestly, given some of the history of St. Louis, which I had certainly been been aware of, 
um, and knowing the principles that the school was founded on, I saw a pretty unique opportunity for the school to be a part of the work, the conversation, uh, in terms of helping to make the area a mm -hmm. better place mm -hmm. and to make some progress uh, uh, moving forward. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know, the, the, the work around uh, equity, justice, community, mm -hmm. uh, improving communities has always been something that I've been interested in, something that I've advanced in my, my previous uh, uh, jobs. And so, this seemed like a really good mm -hmm. opportunity for me and sort of my background and, and who I am. Mm -hmm. um, so after graduating from college, I actually moved to Thailand and taught in Thailand at a university for about three years, then moved back to the States and was working in nonprofit for a while, totally missed the, the energy of the classroom and the feeling like you can make a direct impact on kids in that moment and, and let them feel heard and really listen to what they're saying. Um, once I got back into the classroom, it was just that energy that I, I loved and yeah. missed a lot. So that's when I started teaching. I actually also taught at Rye Country Day School for seven years oh, and was the director hey, of... You're, you're from New York as well. I'm that's from right. New York as well, yeah. Yep. Um, so I taught there for seven years and was also the director of student diversity programs. Cool. And um, when I moved here to move closer to family, it was conversations with Tom where my sister said, oh, you should move to St. Louis. And I was like, that sounds great for someone else. I'm not moving <laughs> to St. Louis. I'm good. I'm good. And then within 24 hours after having my first conversation with Tom and really understanding what the school is and who works there, who goes there, who the kids are, what the commitment is within the whole community, I was sold. And 24 hours later, I was apparently moving to St. Louis. Wow, so yeah, and that was back in 2013. Mm -hmm. So um, I've been here just finishing up my fifth year yeah. at New City School. I'm loving it. Nice, awesome. Tom? Well, uh, first thing I want to say is you talked about the achievements of New City School. I was there. All of which are, are, are true. But the reality is even though there are three of us around the table, what you're talking about is a result of efforts of hundreds and hundreds of people. The faculty in New City School is remarkable. I was a public school principal in University City when the opening at New City occurred in 1981. And I'm a a public school graduate, a public school guy, and the idea of working in an independent school was a little daunting to me. Mm -hmm. And I remember coming and being interviewed and we talked about intellectual development and I grew really excited and I thought I would come for three to five years. Mm -hmm. And 34 years later I retired. Wow. And uh, one of the hallmarks of New City that Alexis noted earlier is it was founded on the premise that diversity should be an integral part of a child's education. It's not something you do uh, at recess or you don't do at all. It's something that is part of everyday living, it's part of curriculum, and it's part of who we are. The, the way that I talk about that today, and I talk about that in my work at UMSL, and when I travel and present and talk to people, is I always say who you are is more important than what you know. And that's a way of saying we have a commitment to develop all of the children's capacities rather than just sticking with the three R's. Mm. We talk about the whole child, and for sure, absolutely, definitely, and positively, a commitment to diversity and inclusion is integral in that mm -hmm. development. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like? So, you know, there's a lot of schools, organizations, I mean, we can go on and on, on, and on specifically here in St. Louis, um, where folks are looking at how, what does that look like? How does that live in our space? A commitment to diversity and inclusion and it being integrated in everything that we do. What does that look like at New City? 
Well, we talk a lot about uh, diversity beyond the numbers. Yeah. So I think lots of organizations or, or will talk about, you know, we have X percentage of kids from here or, or X percentage of families receiving a financial aid grant mm-hmm. or uh, break down the ethnicity this way. And we certainly can do that, but you, you, I have found that you just cannot create that kind of community without support learning opportunities, mm-hmm. the curriculum supporting mm-hmm. that um, uh, as well. So the way that looks like at, at uh, New City, it's it's a lot of the programming that Stephanie mm-hmm. is responsible for in terms of parent education, mm-hmm. uh, because oftentimes we'll find that the kids are uh, oftentimes way ahead of where the grownups are. And well, so the, sure. the, the parent <laughs> education piece is, yeah. is huge. Um, but then I also just think it, it looks like conversations with really young children about um, visible differences that you might see every day that sometimes grown-ups are really hard uh, find challenging to, to talk about so whether that's why is someone's skin darker than yours why does um, you know this child have two moms or two dads um, why does somebody live here and somebody lives there all of those conversations are things that our teachers are experienced with and skilled at having and are able to sort of lean in to it because mm-hmm. there are, uh, in my experience, I've certainly seen those things come up and teachers be very afraid to, to take them on. Mm-hmm. And I think for us, it, that's just a, a very important piece of the curriculum and a, and a marker or area for, for growth. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of those things are embedded within the curriculum and it progresses. So it looks you know sort of one way when you're three or four mm-hmm. uh, and then very different when you're 11 and 12 and you're grappling with some really, yeah. I think, serious um, uh, cultural concepts, which, mm-hmm. which a lot of adults have trouble uh, discussing. And I, don't, I would even add that it's an expectation of all of our teachers and all of our community members is if you're a part of our community, we expect that you're engaging and leaning into these conversations, even if they're not comfortable. Yeah. Um, and I think when we talk about, okay, so I have the title of Director of Diversity and Inclusion, but ultimately every single teacher is a Director of Diversity in their space and in their classroom. And I, I think that's a huge part of who we are is people feeling empowered to, to have those conversations. And I think, I mean, I was socialized. I grew up being told, you don't talk about that. Yeah. And so much of that was who I was for 18, probably 20 years. And so to to recognize that moment where it's like, no, no, and this is my job to yeah. do this yeah. is a critical moment for all of us. But I think it's also that moment where we then have to do our own exploration and check ourselves and yeah. kind of examine who we are first, yeah. um, as well as having those conversations with kids. And, and I would agree with all that, and I would even push it a bit further and say that part of the commitment is reflected in the fact that we accept that we are going to be making people uncomfortable. If everybody's happy, we're not doing a good job. Mm -hmm. Uh, What we need to do is push issues of race, social economic status, sexual orientation, and so forth, out into the community, and there are going to be some people, even at New City School, who are uncomfortable with that, and we need to embrace that discomfort, Mm -hmm. and we need to help people grow and learn. If we are are led by everybody being happy, uh, (laughs) we're not doing justice to what our children need. What, what does it look like when, when, when there's a push or a discomfort? Like, what does that look like? Well, one example would be when the parent, uh, you know, a parent comes to me or to Stephanie or somebody else in the school and can just admit that there's discomfort because their child now has a play date or birthday party with somebody who lives in a different part of the city mm-hmm. or someplace maybe you've never been before. Um, 
uh, or different social economic strata, uh, different religion, and, and sort of what those are moments of tension, but out of that, I think, are moments of growth. Yeah. And so, you know, as an independent school, we can sort of self-select the families who come to us, and that is actually one of the things that I tell families in the admissions process is that you've got to be, like, this, this thing is going to happen to you. Um, you may be comfortable with it already. Great. You may not be, but when it happens, you got to embrace it. And there are plenty of people around here who can talk you through it because it's not going to be the first time For sure. we've experienced it and we yeah. can help you with that. But ultimately, this is the kind of community who we are and who we're proud of. Mm-hmm. And, you know, absolutely, when you get a, a group of, of people with, with who've grown up differently, who might look differently, live, I think we've, we've got 52 different zip codes represented <coughs> in, our, in our school. Yeah, there, and you get everybody in the kindergarten class or, or first grade. Yeah, there are going to be some moments of uh, uh, confusion, mm-hmm. tension, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But you know, w- I think we are in a good position to try to help people move through that. Yeah. And and I think part of our job is when we think about the kids, we don't want our four or five year olds when they're fifteen or twenty five to experience that for the first time at, at that age. Mm-hmm. Like we can help them through it at an earlier age which I think gives them some better skills for school, outside of New City School, and, and just life, life skills. One of the things that um, I love about my job is being able to work with parents as well, and caregivers, and recognizing that whatever the kids are experiencing in the curriculum, parents, caregivers might not have yeah. in their own educational mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. Um, in my fifth grade class, I also teach fifth grade social studies. So in my fifth grade class last year, we were debating the Confederate monument. Yeah. And um, they did a, a project where they actually presented to the mayor what they think should happen to the Confederate monument, which was standing still at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but these are conversations that a lot of adults haven't necessarily actively engaged in. Yeah. Um, so recognizing that the same way we roll out Singapore math or the mm-hmm. same way that we're rolling out technology, those are not things that I had in my educational experience. Mm-hmm. So recognizing that we need to also teach the community of learners, which involves the parents and caregivers. Mm-hmm. So um, very often we'll have parent mornings so, hey, we're doing this unit on the Delmar Divide with my fifth graders. Come and learn the language that we're going to be using. Come and learn um, some of the resources we have. And also just really give support and resources for the, for the adults in the community as well. Mm-hmm. Recognizing that kids come home with all this new knowledge and information, and they sense that moment of discomfort right. if the adult at home is all of a sudden like, uh, I yeah. don't know what to do with yeah. this. And so giving them the chance to have that comfort and and experience the discomfort too, mm-hmm. um, and practice some of the language, explore their own experiences to why this might be comfortable or uncomfortable to talk about um, before the kids necessarily even have it. Yeah. I think it's important to yeah. have the kids feel that support too. Yeah, and it's a continuation that allows it to continue at home as well. Right. With that support and understanding, and when you're on somewhat of the same page, it, it allows it to continue that learning uh, furthers. Right, and yeah. it's not just happening here in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and continuing it in a little bit differently, um, an example of a pushback that I would share yeah. is after Michael Brown was killed, we decided that we needed to do something with our community. That happened in August, mm-hmm. and so before school started, mm-hmm. we, Stephanie, uh, led the teachers in talking about what we needed to do with kids, how we needed to prepare them. But we also felt we needed to have an adult conversation. Mm-hmm. There were lots and lots of adults who were concerned, who were bothered, what can I do? Yeah. So we held a Ferguson Forum on September the 4th, which mm-hmm. was really pretty early. Mm-hmm. We brought people together. We had a panel. Um, Stephanie led it. 
and it was a wonderful opportunity for folks to come together and and not just express grief and express um, angst, which they did, but we led with the understanding that the evening should end with everybody talking about what they can do Mm -hmm. to make St. Louis a better place, what they can do to work on racism. Mm -hmm. It was a wonderful conversation, but the pushback is when we began publicizing that, I heard from several parents who said, well, why are we doing that? That's not our role. Mm. Our job is to educate children. They felt we were getting out of uh, what we should be doing. And I responded, no, this is exactly what we should be doing. Yeah, and I'd say we had a little bit of pushback um, in the fall after the the Stockley uh, Stockley verdict verdict where we had a parent conversation that led out of that. um, And there was some pushback from from parents about why are we doing this? And part of the answer was, well, you know, we had sort of on the front lawn of the school, if you will, a fair number of protests yeah. because of our proximity to mm-hmm. to the mayor's mm-hmm. uh, uh, home. Mm-hmm. So this was like a visible sort of thing that was a piece of kids yeah. of the community's life. Yeah. Um, so those are important things, I think, to to tackle and not to push to the side. Yeah. Well, and I think being with kids all day, that's what they're hearing. That's what they're seeing. Mm-hmm. And the idea that kids aren't talking about this. Right. Or that we're in a bubble. Mm-hmm. Like we're right. in just some type of bubble where it's not affecting us and we don't know it or see it or feel it. Right. And yeah. once, I mean, I'll start a unit and I'll very often just put a giant poster board down and write the word Ferguson or write the mm. word Stockley mm. and say, here's markers, write whatever comes to mind when you're thinking about this mm. and they are all having thoughts yeah. and they are all having opinions mm-hmm. and some of it's mis- grade. fifth, fifth grade. grade oh yeah yeah and younger mm-hmm. and some of it's misinformation mm. so a lot of it is trying to figure out what they already know and what they're bringing to the table to then be able to have an informed discussion yeah. Yeah. um because i think it's a disservice if we're not doing that yeah. in a responsive way yeah. and then they end up having the conversations anyway when it's yeah. not necessarily informed yeah not not informed so i'm going to go back a little bit um to what you talked about you know and you know kind of uh pushing into your role and what you do at new city um you hinted to this a little bit uh which often like the director of diversity and inclusion is the person that handles all the diversity stuff right Right. um it is not integrated into the fabric of either an organization or a school Mm -hmm. so how do you so yes Teachers are empowered, like the educators that are there are empowered to lean into these conversations. How do you equip your uh, your staff uh, with what they need to be effective when it comes to um, ensuring that uh, diversity is the premise and it, 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 is, it lives in every school and everything that you, I mean, every uh, classroom and everything you do? How do you equip your educators? Well, I feel really lucky in that yeah. I stepped into a school that was already doing this. Okay. I wasn't starting five yeah. years ago yeah. from zero by any means. Um, mm-hmm. The school's been doing this since the founding, since 50 the founding. years yeah. ago almost. Mm-hmm. So the fact that that's who the school is, that's who they're attracting in terms mm-hmm. of people applying for jobs there and then being selected to work there, yeah. um, that's who they are and what they're bringing to the table. Gotcha. Um, is a huge part of it, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, In terms of the ongoing trainings and things like that, I mean, I think making sure the administrative team is on board Mm -hmm. is so necessary because if it's just this groundswell, that's great, but it's not getting the traction in terms of budget, in terms of time allotted to it. Mm -hmm. Sustainability. Right. So knowing that when I was hired by Tom, Mm -hmm. um, this was for like forefront, this is who we are, this is what we do um, felt so good to me Mm -hmm. in terms of this was already happening. So um, in terms of folks given opportunities to say, hey, how do we want to create? What do we want to do? There's never a shortage of ideas or energy around anything at our school, which is something that's really neat. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, I think Alexis laugh. is laughing. Alexis well, I know, is laughing. Because it's, it's true. I, yeah. I think we've got some really inspirational folks in the Ooh. school who are brimming with ideas, and then the challenge for me becomes how do we allot, oh, yeah. allocate the time mm-hmm. um, because everything is so interesting, um, but we can't do everything. We can't have a faculty meeting every day after school to, mm-hmm. to discuss these sorts of things. So my challenge is often prioritizing the time mm-hmm. and, and figuring out what the uh, what the agendas are. Mm-hmm. But we do have regular in-service. We do have regular meetings of just teachers saying, hey, I read this great book. Let's all come together. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was a teacher-inspired idea last week that said, hey, over the summer, let's all read this book, um, White Women Teaching Black Boys. Mm. And how are we going to implement this in our teaching for next year, and what will this look like? So it's very often, sure, it might be ideas that I might have, but it's very often coming from people in the school community, whether it's faculty and staff or whomever, parents as well, saying, I've got this great idea. Let's let's run with it. Yeah. Yeah. So can you situate New City School? in the current landscape of education in our region. So thinking about um, public school, charter school, thinking about you know what you're able to do as an independent school uh, with a certain amount of freedom, let's say. Um, can you sit the, situate that in the, in the current landscape? Uh, I mean, I certainly I think as, a, as an independent school and, and sort of the, the the freedom from some of the state mm-hmm. mandated, mm-hmm. whether it's testing or curriculum, uh, that gives us a huge amount of space. Yeah. It allows Stephanie to focus on the Confederate Memorial, yeah. like in real time, like real time things that are happening in the community, in the city, in the area. You know, we can we can adjust our curriculum mm-hmm. as need be, mm-hmm. and and to me, that's an important piece of being, um, you know, a progressive school where our kids. <laughs> are out in the community and they, they know things, we need to be able to make the learning and the education relevant mm-hmm. to them. So it's not just straight out of a, uh, out of a textbook. Yeah. Um, again, I think for us, we talk a lot, of, or I talk a lot about, you know, kids are gonna come to our school, they're gonna learn to, to read, they're gonna mm-hmm. learn to write, they're gonna learn their math facts. Um, but the amount of time and attention we devote to some of the other pieces of development, mm-hmm. uh, like what we call the personals at, at school, interpersonal uh, intelligence and intrapersonal, mm-hmm. like knowing yourself, knowing others, your place in, in community, what you can do to be an advocate, what you can do to step up. Mm-hmm. Um, we devote a lot of time to work in those areas. And so, you know, again, we feel very confident that kids are gonna know and, and learn the, the, the sort of three R's, as Tom mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but just as important, if not more important, is kind of what kind of person yeah. are you going to be? Yeah. And I think the school, like the space, the freedom, uh, the curriculum, the, the, the excitement that teachers have for this mm-hmm. um, allows us to devote the time to that and really sort of produce graduates, children who are advocates, yeah. who can change makers, change makers yeah. mm-hmm. who can recognize injustice, whether it's it's on a larger, you know, economic or racial scale, or just like the child who's not being treated fairly or nicely by by other peers. Um, you know, our kids go to secondary schools, and the reports we get uh, are that they are the ones who stand up. They are the ones who take are taking leadership roles. They're excelling not only in the classroom academically, but on stage, 
um, in all the other areas um, mm -hmm. that are important just yeah. for the life development. Yeah. Well, when I yeah. think about um, last year, we had a diversity dinner and dialogue, and Brittany Packnett mm -hmm. came, and she's mm -hmm. a new city grad. And mm -hmm. Brittany sat there talking about how important it was for her kindergarten teacher to be a woman of color wow. and to have that mirrored for her. And just mm -hmm. like the what that meant for her to be having conversations in fourth, fifth, and sixth grade yeah. about what it meant to be a student of color yeah. in an independent school. Yeah. And having that community to really grapple with a lot of that, yeah. um, led by teachers of color and yeah. supported by students. Yeah. Um, and talk about change maker. Like if you yeah. know anything mm -hmm. about Brittany Packnett, like, right. come on. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I agree with all that. I would back up 49 years when the school was founded. Mm -hmm. And this is before I was there even. The people who brought the school together went to the St. Louis Board of Education and asked basically for a charter school. Well, this was way before yeah. anybody was thinking of charter mm -hmm. schools. So they founded an independent school. But it was begun with the premise that it was going to be a, a mind breaker, if you will, of the traditional educational establishment. Mm -hmm. So it began as an open classroom, Summerhill, Charles Silverman, all kinds of philosophical issues that public schools weren't able to deal with. Gotcha. And then through the evolution of looking at multiple intelligences, looking at grit and what they're doing today, mm -hmm. I think it remains a school that says we owe it to our kids to give them the best education possible, even if that means doing something radically different than mm -hmm. what everybody else is doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To me, this is the inspirational story as we approach our 50th anniversary. Mm -hmm. I think if you look at lots of independent schools were started or formed really for one kind of family or one yeah. kind of uh, child person. Uh, I think for us, like Tom just said, from the beginning, it was important to our founders to have a school that not only reflected the area, mm -hmm. but was not just for one kind of, of person, one kind of, of, of family. Yeah. That, that the diversity piece was hugely important 50 years ago, and it remains that way mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. yeah. So what, what would you say, you know, given your model and all that you just shared, what would you sh say to schools or educators that do feel limited by what they can do or, or what they perceive that they can do in their classrooms in schools? I think that's one of the hardest things. Yeah. It's what's perceived, right? Yeah, like yeah. teachers will always say like, oh, but I've got to get through this curriculum. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I'll be honest, I get frustrated when I hear that academic excellence and diversity always stand separate. And in my mind, academic excellence is diversity, and diversity mm -hmm. is academic excellence. Mm -hmm. And to constantly have this binary conversation gets really frustrating because I'm like, no, that's not what it is. If you want to teach a good lesson yeah. to a student that they're going to remember, it has to have an emotional component. Mm -hmm. You have to be teaching empathy. Yeah. You have to be teaching them to see multiple perspectives, mm -hmm. to be good listeners. Yeah. I once heard the term, you need to be an articulate listener. Mm -hmm. And that term kind of stuck with me because I was like, huh, we teach kids about how to speak all the time, but rarely, other than you need to be quiet and not appropriately, mm. do we teach them how to listen. Listen, um, yeah. Radical listening is something mm. that, yeah. Yeah, a term that I, I, I fell in love with I recently. Like yeah. Yeah. yeah, a term I fell in love with yeah. recently was um, cultural humility. Mm. So we talk about cultural confidence all the yeah. time. And competence, it's like, check, I've got that, right? Yep, yep, and yep. it's, there's and an I'm end done. point, and I've done. got this, right. and let's go do something else. Mm -hmm. And the idea of humility and cultural humility really stuck with me, and I've been kind of using that phrase even in yeah. my classrooms recently, is the idea that to be humble, and that's never going to go away. Like, that's mm -hmm. constantly evolving, as are you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well said. Well, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so how are you ensuring that more students have access to what New City has to offer? 
Well, I mean, I think our, um, again, going back to wanting to make sure that we were a school for lots of different kinds of folks, um, you know, we have a, a very well-defined financial aid mm -hmm. program. Mm -hmm. And so about 43% of our families receive some level of, of a, a grant to help uh, offset the cost of tuition. Uh, and that's very important to us. That socioeconomic yeah. diversity is, is very important. Um, you know, we have a, a pretty strong endowment for mm -hmm. a school our age and our size, and it speaks to the vision of the founders, to Tom's work, mm -hmm. to trustees that came before, that the majority of that is restricted for financial aid mm -hmm. um, to, to, to support that, that budget. Yeah. So the, 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 that has been our sort of primary mechanism to, to make sure that, um, you know, because we recognize that not everybody can afford mm -hmm. the, the full tuition. Yeah. Um, but we want to work to make sure that as, as many people as possible can benefit from, from what we do and for how sure. we do it. For sure. You mentioned your 50th anniversary is coming up. Mm -hmm. Yes. So what's next for New City? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, that's, that's a really good question. So we've actually just put together um, a new strategic plan, which mm -hmm. will take us uh, into the 50th and beyond. There are a couple of things I'm really excited about. One is, is obviously sort of strengthening and sustaining some of the pieces we have in place already. Um, but a couple of new things, we're building what we're calling an innovation lab. That's sort of the working uh, title. So I'm excited that, to hear more about that. Yeah, that will be, uh, I think, a space where kids can experiment, they can work with technology, um, they can cook. Uh, so all those things, but I think what's important for us is, you know, we'll do those academic pieces, mm -hmm. but how do we continue to integrate um, the, the personals, again, inter and intrapersonal skills into, into that work. Uh, so we're laying the, the foundation for that and getting that work going. The other piece that I'm, I'm really excited about is, uh, again, thinking about our curriculum and, and I've been thinking about what is, what is the, the fourth, fifth, sixth grade equivalent of the like study abroad mm. uh, uh, program. Oh, so, wow. you know, we're not going to put our kids on a plane and you. send them, you know, <laughs> oh, I'm all somewhere in. else for, <laughs> you're, you're like, you know, yeah. for, for, half, for a semester or a year. But what are the things we can do in our own community, in our nice. own neighborhood to um, uh, uh, uh have our kids and you mentioned the bubble earlier and yeah. you know we work hard to make sure it's not a bubble but ultimately mm -hmm. sometimes mm -hmm. it is and so mm -hmm. I want to make sure that um, uh, you know our kids can see themselves not only in sort of the immediate community but but the larger community mm -hmm. and so whether that's part of parts of, of St. Louis they may not normally go to um, other schools other students how do we think about um, that kind of, an exchange is not the right word, but yeah. the, uh, partnership, um, learning opportunities. Yeah. Um, because again, that, and that goes back to something I said earlier, I do think we, we, we come at this from a pretty unique place in terms mm -hmm. of thinking about how we can make the, re the city, the region, a stronger place and, yeah. and sort of what is our role in that. So mm -hmm. thinking that through and mm -hmm. thinking about that as we hit our 50th anniversary is something that is very inspiring to, yeah. to me, exciting. Yeah. Okay, so what's, um, how can the community support New City School? Outside of your immediate, like, you know, educator, family, like what are, what are some ways that the community can support and engage in the work that's being done? 
That's a good question. Yeah, that's a very good question. It's interesting in terms of um, how we already engage with mm -hmm. the community mm -hmm. and recognizing all of those places that are opportunities where we can grow mm -hmm. um, because there are so many of them. Yeah. Um, even this year, one of the things we did was a, a four-part series on exploring St. Louis beyond our red doors is what we called it. Um, so we went to the History Museum and Gwen Moore led a group um, through the number one in civil rights exhibit. We then had professors from WashU and Harris Stowe lead us um, in conversations for adults on segregation by design mm -hmm. and looking at the landscape of housing in St. Louis and communities and how they evolved. And so these were community facing opportunities. These were, yeah, members, oh, I mean, nice. you mentioned like, okay, beyond our parent yeah, body. Yeah. I think one of the neat things is every time I'm at one of our new city events, I'm so inspired by the people in the room and yeah. I'm just like, oh, here's somebody that's a filmmaker that does this and here's somebody and like there's so many connections mm -hmm. there that are the St. Louis community. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that, I mean, there's such wealth within that to say, how do we go beyond that? I think yeah. that is one of the things that make us unique. Yeah. Um, and it's not necessarily those people, but it's maybe the connections they have and yeah. opportunities they're bringing to us. Yeah. Um, so things like the bus tour that Tom mentioned earlier mm -hmm. came from a prospective parent at the time saying, hey, I've got this connection. Do you want to meet them? We had lunch. And it was this wonderful. And we do it. Yeah. yeah. And it started this whole like day long workshop that we're then going to continue on and do other work with. Right. So, um, and then one of the last ones was working with uh, the ADL and mm -hmm. doing something at the art museum on um, exploring concepts of beauty and bias within art. Mm -hmm. So, recognizing all of the institutions we have here that are doing such good work. I mean, the Missouri History Museum is doing really amazing work around yeah. diversity and inclusion. And even every time I bring a class there, um, we did one thing this year where we looked at the World's Fair exhibit and we're basically like, okay, where were the black folks, right? Hello. Like in this whole exhibit, where Hello. are the black folks? And <laughs> But then to recognize that the Mary Meacham Freedom um, celebration this year yeah. actually was exploring that exact same thing. Yeah. And we then brought the students down to the Mary Meacham site and worked with Angela De Silva and she yeah. met with the students and did some amazing work there with them. But then they still had all of their, like what was life like on the pike right. in terms of what was being displayed and showcased mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. exhibits mm -hmm. that, I mean, those are hard lessons to be exploring. Yeah. One would think when you're 10, and yet I think that's the perfect age because they're already asking these questions and now you're allowing them a space to do it. Wow. Let, let me answer your question a bit differently. Sure, sure. Um, I, the question I think was posed was how can the community support New City? Mm -hmm. And although I'm not there, New City would welcome all the support we can get. Mm -hmm. There's a website, mm -hmm. da 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 da. Yeah. Semicolon, <laughs> semicolon, however, comma. Ah. I would suggest <laughs> that what people can do is support the values that New City Oh, I like that. Because yeah. that's everybody's values. Mm. And I think a, a mistake, and I want to say this carefully, New City never was as good as our promotional material suggested. Mm. Uh, we're not as perfect as we sound today. But mm. one of the things we do is don't accept the world as a given. Mm. And I think too often educators, and I was guilty of this too, uh, we teach the way we're taught. We are very quick to look at the constraints. And what I would hope is that people who share our values which would be any right-thinking person, that they look and see what we're doing and say, hey, I can begin to make a difference that way too. Mm -hmm. I can't do it the way New City does, maybe I shouldn't. But what I can do is not accept the status quo. My role as an educator, regardless of what position I hold, is gonna to be to help my students 
work to make the world a better place for everybody. Mm -hmm. And we can give them ideas, we can give them suggestions, maybe even a little inspiration. Mm. I started a book recently um, by Mark Mathanabe. Mm -hmm. I think I'm probably mispronouncing his name, but it's The Language of Ubuntu. Mm -hmm. And it's looking at South Africa and the fact that they dealt with truth and reconciliation and they dealt with stuff. And I'm not saying it's a perfect society there by any means, but when we look at how polarized we are today, yeah. I think recognizing that we've, as a society, haven't really dealt with, nor do we have language around yeah. certain things, um, plays into what you're saying, Tom, about like what the community can do. Like We need to be having conversations that we probably, a lot of people don't want to have. Yeah, Difficult conversations, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is good. So I'm going to just give you each a final um, opportunity to share any final thoughts for the listening community. One of, one of, oh, go ahead. <laughs> one of the coolest things I think I do, like not I do, one of the coolest things I get to witness in my classroom mm -hmm. is when we do a role play. And this started um, as part of the Delmar Divide unit where we look at the video as a text in a way and then we look at percentages i mean we're doing math we're doing language arts they're creating spoken word poetry it's evolved every year where this year we had a resident join us on the bus and kind of provide a human aspect to mm -hmm. the movie of this was my experience um they i mean it's changing every year but there was a tony messenger article mm -hmm. at some point that was talking about a baseball game amongst five-year-olds mm -hmm. and how the game was canceled yeah. um, because parents didn't want to be going across Del Mar mm -hmm. into U City to play yep. the game. Yep. Yep. And we read this article in the class and the kids really tackle the question of who had choices because our theme in fifth grade is choices make history. Mm. So who had a choice in this article? And they get to dissect, was it the parents? Was it the kids? Was it the ref? Was it who made the phone call? And then yeah. we essentially say like, okay, well, maybe this story had more that followed after it, but in this moment, um, if you were the person that picked up that phone and heard another parent say, ooh, I'm not so sure about this, how would you actually handle it? Yeah. So I think it's really cool to watch kids fail at yeah. that too, right? Yeah. And they do fail, like cool. they've never practiced this before. How do you interrupt a situation? How, what language do you use? What's gonna be effective? Just being like, that's racist, <laughs> probably isn't the best way. <laughs> right. Um, so giving kids the chance to actually practice the language they might use in an instance like that, I think is so important. Yeah. Um, so I think for adults too, yeah. um, we need to provide ourselves with opportunities to practice that language. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I guess my, my final thought is I, how incredibly um, uh, privileged and lucky I am to be in a school like New City School mm -hmm. um, and, you know, to be the beneficiary of all the great work that came before, Tom's work, our founders, um, and then to really just think about, again, sort of where we fit in the larger community. I think we have, we've got a model here that can be, um, you know, other folks can look to. There are pieces of what we do that I think, um, you know, other schools can can implement. So I'm I'm excited to to start to think about how we can take pieces of it and you know share um, as appropriate and and to have people, you know, part of why I wanted to come to New City is we're a leader in the community and I want to continue. Mm -hmm. I, I want to continue that yeah. and and so again whether it's around the academic work that we're doing with kids, but again, you can't separate the social justice, inclusion, diversity work from the academics. Um, 
you know, I want to make sure that people see that yeah. and and realize uh, the exciting um, and in some cases novel work that that is really happening uh, behind the red doors yeah. or in our in our school community. And I would say start young. I mean, there's no way that I could be having the conversations that I'm having with fifth graders if they weren't having yeah. conversations about skin tone and. Mm. Um, doing a no signs day at in the four fives where when they're four and five years old going to different centers and saying like oh you can't play here if you have shoelaces oh, yeah. and feeling that gotcha. moment gotcha. of real emotional connection to the curriculum i think is so important so the the younger you start the better and i would i would end with two thoughts the first similar to alexis is one of appreciation appreciation for all the folks with whom I worked, including these two people who were with me at the table. And my second thought is one of encouragement. Now, we're talking in a very matter-of-fact way about some really substantive, challenging, difficult issues. Yeah. And my, uh, my counsel to your listeners would be that learning is messy. And if you're mm -hmm. going to do this, you're going to make mistakes. Uh, you're going to fail. You're going to find it difficult, and that's okay. If it was easy, we'd already have the solution. And I, a phrase that I often use is make new mistakes. And so going into this, you've got to have tenacity, perseverance, grit, and knowing that you're doing the right thing, and it ain't easy, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And there it is. Um, wow. <laughs> this has been great. I have so many notes <laughs> to follow up, and these notes will be in um, the show notes um, for you all to take a look at um, as listeners. Um, and to, to, to further your, your information, to further your toolkit. Um, so thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Um, Thanks for having thanks us. For having us yeah. Yeah, we more than appreciate your thought leadership, um, the rich resources that you provided today, the commentary, and again, the tools for furthering uh, the toolkit of the community. Um, we thank you again to um, our listeners for tuning in today. Uh, please visit uh, educatorsforsocialjustice.org for upcoming Educators for Social Justice events and to stay up to date. Join us next time on the Educators for Social, Social Justice podcast.